As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Manchester United are rubbish, says BBC News ticker. The closest we've come to a historical sighting of the fabled ITV tactics truck. The very precise arc of a celebrating goalkeeper's run. That tiny pre-shot moment of silence that the commentator is obliged to fill. Kevin De Bruyne pronunciation woes. The logistics of pre-match huddles. And the fleeting passages of Premier League football you watch and think, yep, I could do that. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 165 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry. Alongside me for this one is the returning Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Possibly one of the most boring stories you worked on recently. Uh, (laughs) Tottenham's not entirely straightforward £150 million cash injection. That is a war chest. Are we allowed to say that? Have, Have the club briefed on this? You know, funnily enough, I did have that exact word used to me yesterday. It wasn't from someone from the club, but um, it, it is in circulation. I, I think it does qualify as a war chest, yeah. Given how loosely we throw around the phrase war chest at this time of year, I, I can actually imagine Antonio Conte demanding a war chest. Like mm. actually like going out of his way to say, look, this is what I want and I want it to be a war chest. It's this amount of money. Th- this or- is when it qualifies. That is yeah. not a war chest, Daniel. Yeah. Uh, imagine he would care about this sort of thing or in w- Italian. Bottino di Guerra. Ah, of course. Yeah, well, I was gonna, it feels like the sort of military... Like he's a very confrontational person, and I think yeah. he likes that sort of combat. So, yeah, I think I think it would linguistically appeal to him. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's, you know, financially, it's over the threshold. So I think we're in safe territory there. Um, joining us for Mesut Harland Dicks this time 
is the commentator for BBC Radio 5 Live and Match of the Day, Sleeping Owls Enthusiast. <laughs> It's Connor McNamara. <laughs> Hello, guys. Very good to see you all in the flesh. You're actually real people, not just names <laughs> on social media. Brilliant. <laughs> AI generated. Yes, yeah, exactly. No, yeah. A very confused three-year-old in this household, Connor, when oh, I yeah. revealed that Squawk the Parrot from Swashbuckle <laughs> was on the podcast today. Doing football cliches. <laughs> do you do the squawk or is it just the voice? Uh, so I did some squawks at the start, which are then put in, but then there is the, 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 what they try and do is a hybrid of a actual parrot squawk blending into my one which then is supposed to <laughs> seamlessly make it link squawk. no I mean the funny wow. the best part of that was when they they did a Christmas special where they they were the sing-along uh, things so they got all the cast to sing a different Christmas carol and they just assume people who work in that sort of industry all seem to be good singers and they didn't sort of factor in the fact that I cannot hold a note to save my <laughs> life and I was I, I remember I, I kind of channeled my inner Liam Gallagher the hands behind my back and I was leaning oh, up right. to the microphone and I was giving it a, and they were like yeah that was terrible <laughs> <laughs> stick to squawking correct yeah, correct squawking. how did that come about may I ask and you can you can answer this in the most player who's just signed for their boyhood club kind of way just fascinated by how this how this career move went yeah well look the, the, the story as I've been told it is the, the, the guy who devised the programme who was the sort of initial producer um, originally when they were doing their pilots and tests and whatnot, they'd use an actor and they gave him a script and he just felt it needed a bit more oomph and a bit more energy and a bit more excitement and he was driving in a car one night and he was listening to me doing a game on the radio and he said that, that's the excitement I want to have it was obviously <laughs> some, some thrilling game so uh, so they got me in and yeah when I did the initial sort of test for it uh, like they, they contacted the BBC football department and said can we get this guy's number but I did I did a test for it and my, my kids were you know at that bang on age at the time so I was like this is great like I, I really yeah. want to do this and I remember my, my initial attempts and they were like that's good can, can we just have a little bit less Paris you're, you know, you're overdoing it uh, but uh, no it's, uh, it's, it's worked out quite well although my, my brother has since said to me what I should have done I, I should have made it in a, a strong limerick accent where I'm from like, come on now lads here we go today this is your chance get up and do it that's what I should have done but whether it would have passed the uh, the BBC bosses I don't know I just yeah I never thought of parrots as potentially Irish no I say so and, and this is really trailblazing for some stuff. reason everyone thinks Australian mm. that, that, that's what people yeah. have always said to you. could you do a bit and they, they would give me an example of an Australian expression and they you know but I, I don't know where that comes from okay get to the, <laughs> get to the bottom of that one uh, you're very welcome on the football game. thank you very much of course um, before we get stuck into your selections for Mesut Holland Dix I do have a very brief item for the adjudication panel for us to discuss Con I don't know if you're professionally um, able to get stuck into this one but we're going to do it anyway is it Hippocratic um, both time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Um, one of the greatest um, football-related headlines I've seen for a long time, quite simply, BBC apologises after Manchester United are rubbish appears on Ticker. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Charlie, I think my favourite thing about this story isn't actually the thing itself that happens. It's, it's, a, it's a, you know, six out of ten broadcasting gaffe. Happens all the time. Um, it's the fact that the BBC, in their own weird way, had to apologise for it because you have to apologise for these things. And mm. uh, the news presenter who... who <laughs> the, the poor news presenter who was just happened to be on air at that point having to address the issue. Uh, apologise to any Manchester United fans who may have been offended. Um, saying Factually correct, occurred. mind you, but yeah. <laughs> 
saying the mistake had occurred as someone was learning how to operate the ticker and was writing random things, not in earnest. <laughs> <laughs> I know that poor, I feel like that person has been thrown under the bus a little bit. But yeah, I mean, we've all been, I mean, I can remember doing like journalism training and that sort of thing. And, and that is exactly the sort of thing you would do. Mm. Um, so it's, it's very um, relatable. But obviously, yeah. yeah, you don't expect that it will actually get out. I love the, yeah, the idea that it was random things. Could have been anyone. You know, it wasn't, wasn't specific to Manchester United. From these, you know, tiny seeds, Connor, grow trees of paranoia hmm. and bias and agenda. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got to be careful, haven't we? Yeah, I think it's, it's um, I think my dad used to work in radio and he always said to me, you know, if you're ever in a room that contains a microphone, be careful what you say. Even if it's switched off, even if there is no power, if it's there, you never quite know. And I think I think when you're when you're a kid and you first go into a, a TV studio, you're sort of aware of that thing of, oh my God, if I accidentally press the wrong button here, the, you know, the lights will come on. <laughs> or they are. And, and, and you become over the years so relaxed in that atmosphere and people who work in these studios, they go running in and out and, and, you know, there isn't the sort of protection that you would imagine of, oh my God, if you accidentally push that, you know, uh, because everything Everyone knows, um, but it, it, quite frankly, I'm surprised these accidents don't happen more often. And and I also think it, it could have been worse. To be fair, what they, what they wrote, <laughs> no one got hurt. It was absolutely brilliant, yes, and uh, yes. there was no need to apologise. But they did anyway because that's what we all have to do these <laughs> yes, days. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, yeah, fortunately for you, I mean, no, there are no podcasts around who simply listen to every single word you say across a 48 hour period every single week. So you're, you're you're safe from that sort of thing. Don't worry. Um, but you're here. For Mesut Harland Dix, this is where you lay down your footballing fascinations and irritations. Let's kick off with your first fascination, please. So first fascination for me is is what we call the TV compound. And anyone who goes to a stadium of a, of, of a televised game will have, will have noticed this. At some point, close to the ground, occupying a not quite custom made, you know, it was never intended to be used for this purpose. It's got temporary fencing put up around it. And you've got these trucks, which are very often dark green in colour. And then you sometimes of a double-decker bus which uh, people who will have watched the Ricky Gervais extras would have seen sort of oh, where they have their mm. dinner you and whatnot. For football as well. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Not for every game, you know, for, okay. but, um, and, and, and there's all, I mean, that on its own, to be honest, should have been my fascination is, is, is just the food part. So you've got, you've got little sort of, you know, what looks to all ostensible purposes as a sort of fish and chips van thing and that's what you'd imagine. But they're churning out quality food. I mean, it's roast meat and it's different types of vegetables and it's the gravy and it's the apple crumble and custard and you know it, the detail is, is fantastic and that is the BBC most budget. eagerly awaited yeah very seldom about a BBC gig do I get this I'll tell you that much <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's for all the crew and if you can imagine you know like we're, we're quite lucky we rock up two hours three hours before kickoff and we're out of there ten minutes after it's done but um, the guys who've got to come and have got to lay all the cables and have got to you know connect connect this TV compound to the stadium and I guess what, what's always sort of fascinated me is I've got off on a tangent already, but like, it, it, you know, the food is ostensibly for these guys because they're there all day. But it feels like, and, and, and certainly there is some sense of hardwire in certain stadiums where there will be a connection. They just plug into a, a socket here and then that connects them. But in most places, you will see hours after the game, these guys are still rolling up cables, lifting these extremely heavy boxes. <laughs> like just to give an example, that you know, the, the TV that I would look for, the replays, the monitor and the gantry, that, that doesn't stay there. That gets put in a box taken down into the truck and away again. And, and look, it makes sense. This is all extremely expensive equipment. I mean, when you put it together, you're talking millions and millions of pounds. It can't just sit there for the two weeks until the next game that's going to be played there. It has to go somewhere else. So it's, it's continually moving circus that never ends. Different people coming in to man the trucks, man the equipment, whatever. But there's like Winnebago's for the talent, which is always a, a great word that gets used in media. Um, <laughs> which And some of them are extremely luxurious, by the way. I mean, I'm talking faux fireplace 
places with stone background inside a Winnebago. I mean, in, 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 incredible stuff. I mean, I've never seen the like. Who's, who's in there? Well, see, I, oh, I'm, I'm just realising, <laughs> I'm not chatting down the pub now. I've got to be careful everything I say. So let's just say a, a colleague of, of, yeah. of mine has got um, has got a, a, a little caravan Winnebago thing that goes to the game wow. and on the outside looks like a technical vehicle. But when you go inside, it's all luxurious leather seating, lovely carpet, faux fireplace. It feels, when you're in there, it feels like you're in a golf clubhouse sort of feel. Wow. Uh, little oh, kitchenette. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Absolutely insane. The mind boggles. But, <clears throat> Charlie, but, who do we think this yeah. is? But if you, if you know, in, in the main, like that, that's a particularly posh example. Normally, it's kind of your standard Winnebago, uh, which which is still very posh, by the way, for for outside a football ground. But mm. so what will happen is in in that little brief moment between when the people who are working in the game go to their positions and when the police close all the roads around the place because you can't have people walk, you know, driving through through big crowds. That vehicle and and some of the vehicles, the canteen and all that, they escape. So they're already on the road. So say this is a 5.30 kickoff on a Saturday. They're already off to Scotland for the 12 noon game the next day mm-hmm. or off to Birmingham wow. or whatever. It's incredible. Um, and, and just all the logistics that go into that, it fascinates me. And, and where, it, where it reaches its complete summit and goes out of all control is I've been so fortunate over the years to work at golf events. Now, mm. stadiums at least, you know, host games every two weeks. So there's a certain bit of having things in. But something like the Open Championship will come to a venue once a decade. I mean, the, the equipment will be out of, you know, it'll be obsolete by the time it comes around again. So it is like all I can relate it to is a military base. You know, yeah. having never been to one of these, this is what I imagine a military base in Afghanistan or Iraq or somewhere looks like. This completely self-sufficient generators, wind turbines, sort of uh, temporary tracking put down on the ground so vehicles can drive in and out and they don't get stuck in the mud. Tense. Peter Drury and camouflage. Peter yeah. Drury and camouflage. Golf buggies whipping around. Um, and, and I'm just fascinated by, by by the whole thing. Just this enormity and how, how you know, like of the hundreds of people working there, each person probably knows 10 or 12 other people, but they don't know the right, you know, like every little yeah. group does their job and it jigsaw pieces together for, for, for what then becomes global live coverage. It's it's incredible. You think those guys up the cranes and the cameraman and and then something goes wrong and the people have to be dispatched to get it fixed as quickly as possible. And there's just a sense of of, of organised chaos that is there's like nothing I've ever seen before. And I'm, I'm fascinated by it. All this for football. Yeah. For, for a 90 minute football match. It, it does seem massively over engineered, Charlie, to me. Like this is too much. What, I mean, I mean, at the same time, you know, us humble viewers, we just don't understand all that all goes on behind the scenes here to simply get it up on our screens. But I do fear there has to be a simpler way of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing, yeah. When you think, even like for being part of the written press, where we don't have all that equipment, but you do still get that sense of God, how much has gone in to making all this happen. Yeah. And then you do view it slightly differently, I think, when you're when you're watching it, kind of knowing some of the inner machinations but all of this stuff i would never have thought about from a from a broadcast perspective i mean i suppose if you think about the extended universe of a of a modern bog standard premier league game kind of it's, it's not just the tv crews and the mm. the ob trucks and all that sort of stuff someone somewhere has to wheel in you know pyromania kind of yeah, yeah. machines yeah. for for what is basically a mid-table class these are de rigueur these days because it's the the extent of the equipment needed to stage a football game now it's incredible it's absolutely insane but amidst all of that and you've been around long enough perhaps to know this you may well be the closest person i've ever spoken to to knowing this (laughs) have you ever seen or did you ever see the tactics truck? Uh, that's a very good question. I I will definitely have seen the outside of it. I don't think I was ever inside it. But I definitely yeah. would have seen the outside of it. But you know, I I I would love to lie and pretend. But I, I feel that wouldn't be the right thing to do. The mythical vehicle. No, I mean, like you know, and, and it's interesting about taxi truck. I mean, 
the reason they've all this stuff is, and this is what fascinates me, is when an event, uh, an incident happens in a game, how quickly they come up with a really good angle. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. it might take the second or third replay to absolutely see it. But if you consider they've got 25, 35 different angles they could have gone, how they, how they are able, and I don't know the answer to this, but how they know that's the best angle, you know, that mm. that's the one we do. And how quickly it gets, a matter of seconds, they've got it, you know, spooled back to where it needs to be. This is the angle that you can see the goal for the battle. This, was it a foul or not? Or was, you know, mm. um, and it's, it's the, the, the speed of that always. When we're commentating for television, you've got the director in your ear. And it doesn't, so say it's a Sky game, but I'm doing Match of the Day. So obviously Sky are live on air and I'm doing Match of the Day, so I'm not live on air. The Sky commentator is listening to the uh, director and, you know, you've got a little uh, sort of button that you can press, which doesn't broadcast what you're saying. It's just direct talk to them, sort of talk back. So you can say, and you can say, can you get me an image of Sean Dyche or whatever it is? Because you've thought of something relevant to say and you want you want it to sort of match what he's going to say. Or you'll say, you know, can you show me that little flick San Maximan did again? Or, you know, now, now you're not doing this all the time. This would be, a, you know, a few occasions during a game, just a, a little request from you. Or can you show me the Liverpool fans? That kind of a thing. And when, when you're the, the main host broadcaster, the, the director is listening to you and you're listening to him. When you're doing Match of the Day or in vice versa, if it's a BBC game and, and Sky's commentator is, is separate to it, you're hearing the director, even though you're not corresponding with him. So you can hear him and he might be, ch- you know, to Martin Tyler. Oh, yeah, Martin, I, look, I found that picture of the substitute warming up. I'm about to, you know, so you know what's coming. So you can then say, of course, he does have options on the bench and then they show the bench. So it's... I just, I- I can't mm. fathom how annoying that must be. <laughs> <laughs> but and the reason I bring that up now is what you also hear, because you've, you've open line, it's open microphone of the director, is through that whole game, he's like, camera seven, yeah, that's good, hold there, mm. go seven. seven. Well, okay. it's easy to choreograph. Football is kind of, we, we all kind of know how it looks now. So yeah, absolutely. situations kind of lend themselves. So I guess it must be still pre-programmed in their heads. Yeah, there's, there's um, a certain flow to it. And, and when, when that sequence, for whatever reason, breaks down, it's very disconcerting. You know, hang on, why haven't they gone back to the wide view yet and stuff? Um, and, and obviously there's cultural differences and in, in France, they love the super slow mo and the, the extreme yeah. close up, and you know, there's all these sort of different things. But, but, but for me, just the you know the, the scale and enormity of this TV compound is what gives them the flexibility and the options to have. You know, you know, if you look at a non-league team's uh, website, you'll see their goal of the season, whatever, and it's one camera shot on the halfway line trying to follow the action. And, and you know, even if it's a brilliant goal, you're you're not quite marveling in the detail. Um, so that's what that's why they do it. But but to me, anyway, it's just the fact that this entire circus move moves in, you know, spreads itself it is out. It's a circus. It's exactly yeah. like a travelling circus. Travelling yeah. circus, get the elephants back on board and let's go off to the next one, next town, and, you know, I hope we've sold enough tickets. It's 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 crazy stuff. Quite the scene. Right, let's move on to your second fascination of football, please. So, goalkeeper celebrations. So, uh, now I'm, uh, you know, you, you particularly asked me to be as, as niche and specific as possible, and I think this is very important. You know, I'm not talking about a goalkeeper saving in a penalty shootout, and, you know, mm. absolutely not. And, and, Particularly what I'm also not talking about is when when the goalkeeper's own team scores. You know, that that that, that is a side issue of it. However, what I'm specifically speaking about is when a goalkeeper makes a brilliant save and mm. celebrates the fact that that they themselves have done this great task. <laughs> it it almost never happens. It's been hardwired into them from the time they were once a promising nine-year-old goalkeeper and they once celebrated a save. It's been you cannot do that because you've made the save, you've pushed it out for a corner. If you make a show of celebrating, it is completely going to happen that you will then concede a goal directly mm. from the corner. They can never be seen to be celebrating the moment. Um, but the rush of emotion has to come. The the adrenaline Adrenaline has, has forced their way through their body. They've stretched every sinew. They've made what they know is a brilliant save and they are delighted about it, but they're not allowed to celebrate. So what do they do? They bollock a teammate. They <laughs> always run a few paces, never up into his face. They run a few paces. They put it. How dare you allow that shot be taken in the first place? 
and it's it's that release and gush of emotion but they're not happy about it you know I'm, I've made a brilliant save of course I did but you need to do better and it just fascinates me and, and, and you know some occasions you do see it latter stages of a World Cup or something keep on make a save and he'll give this and that yeah. it, it's so valued because it's so rare I absolutely love to see it the the, the side issue that is of the you know the, 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 the goalkeeper's own team scores a goal and the isolation of the goalkeeper becomes very apparent um, they will they will run in an arc and the reason they run in an arc <laughs> is they set up and they realize wait I'm going to have to go no and they just veer around back to where they started because they realize everyone else has <laughs> run to the goal true. score it's too far away from me so I'm, I'm not going to stop running but I'm going to curve the run and go back and, and, and it never happens in a normal league game when a team goes 1-0 up you never see the goalkeeper celebrate but a really important game a match winning goal of a semi-final or a final it is hardwired in, as we discussed earlier, the TV director is immediately, you know, Aguero's goal, mm-hmm. first thing we saw, Joe Hart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it is, it, for, for, for those epic moments, It's and, and I think that the irony is, it's like, this is such a big moment that even the goalkeeper mm-hmm. is celebrating. Yes. You know, even him, the guy who's isolated and isn't really part of the team, even he's happy about it. Um, so that, that's that's just another one of my fascinations. Um, I want to pick up on this first point then, this this idea, Charlie, that, that goalkeepers kind of, or have been hard-coded to kind of not celebrate their own individual successes. Um, I do feel like that's kind of slipping a little bit now. I feel like we are starting to see a new wave of goalkeeper who are kind of happy. And this isn't necessarily an ego thing. They're kind of happy to to, to celebrate their their good saves. I think that's a good thing, right? This is a good development. Mm. I mean, it was very Peter Schmeichel was the archetype of you make an amazing save and then you bollock your teammates. And, and Gary Neville said, or Keane maybe, I think it was Keane actually said, you know, he felt this was done very ostentatiously, you know, almost in a kind of showy-offy way of like, oh, I shouldn't be having to do these amazing saves. For that. <laughs> but it is incredible, Connie, you're right, that the sort of muscle memory they have of you have to stand up and start pointing, even if you're not shouting, if, if it goes off for a corner or something, you have to start pointing straight away as if say everyone get in position. And also on your, on your point about the uh, kind of tempting fate, I'm so with you there. And I feel the same way when players celebrate winning penalties. I'm like, don't, don't celebrate that. Like, <laughs> yes, you might totally. take the penalty. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I mean, I mean, XG says there's a, you know, there's a <laughs> they're absolutely, 0.76. Yeah, terms, they're right to celebrate, but I think, even so. I think, of, you know, it, it clearly applies to all players, but I think especially to goalkeepers, it's the, your, your work is never done sort of factor of you've made a save, but you spring mm. back to your feet. Yeah. You know, and I think, yeah, yeah. I think you know, a player for? can make a slight mm. tackle. You don't have to bounce back up to your feet as quick as you've made the slight tackle, the ball's gone out of play or whatever it is, or it's, you know, it's gone away for you. You're not immediately going to be called into action again. But for goalkeepers, what, you know, what they go to bed at night thinking is, I'm down the ground, I jump up. You know, I, I use the turf as a trampoline, always. Yeah. So the, the, the work is never done. I've made the save, but what's the next danger coming my way? You know, and that, that, it, it, it just, it, it fascinates me, absolutely fascinates me. I've incorporated the very, very specific um, goalkeeper springing back up off their back into my gym routine now. It's actually a very, very effective gym routine. I really do recommend it. It's good for the core, definitely. Um, So, Connor, we asked our listeners for the textbook types of goalkeeper celebration when their team have scored at the other end of the pitch. Um, Very specific. Thought we wouldn't get many answers for this. I was wrong. Let's begin with Mike Hull, who says who presents this very specific scenario, a goalkeeper at fault for his team going 1-0 down, and they subsequently go on to equalise. The goalkeeper performs a double-handed fist pump, plus aggressive screaming, possibly picked up by the cameraman, and the commentator has to add a word about him being, I would say, the most relieved man in Stadium X. <laughs> yes. Does this, does, is, is this the archetype for most relieved man in Stadium X? No, 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 absolutely oh. not. No, 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 no. 
I mean, you know, the the guy who's uh, given away the penalty is uh, more relieved that the penalty was saved. Um, relieved, the yeah. you know the, the who missed a sitter earlier mm, on maybe Lu- Luis Suarez in the Uruguay Ghana twenty ten. You know, I've given away the penalty. I've been sent <laughs> off, but we've won the shootout. He is a lot more relieved than the the goalkeeper in your scenario. But uh, but yes, he, look, he he is he is in the top five of of most <laughs> relieved people. Absolutely, I, I Charlie, I do love. A most relieved man in stadium next. Sometimes I think you can you can extend it to the wider geographical area, can't you? Like he's the most yeah. relieved man in Yorkshire. <laughs> it's why he's in Yorkshire. I was going to say Yorkshire. Why Yorkshire? It's Always. so funny. It's also so funny because yeah, as we have it written down, it's just relieved. But I had the exact same thought of you as uh, the most relieved man in the stadium. Yeah, I mean that's a great one. The yeah, I do think if you've missed a chance and then a teammate equalizes or giving given away a penalty is a good one. Yeah, I think um, that's probably number one, isn't it? But yeah, we we we, we do like to to, to put it in those terms <laughs> yeah i don't know about i mean i feel like a goalkeeper doing the, do they have the right almost to be to be doing that like because they haven't helped the situation i know what you mean i know what you mean are they allowed to celebrate mm. the <laughs> the redemption from their own mistake yeah it's, it's a difficult I think, one i think Relief- when you're the when you're the most relieved man in yorkshire i think you're <laughs> as a keeper i think your reaction should be more humble sort of humble yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, i mean how performatively can you sigh in relief <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you literally really do that. breathe a sigh of relief. No, you, you want you want the, the hands that. clasped in prayer, sort of, you know, yeah. giving thanks for the yeah. Yeah, that's true. That could work. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe a bit too ostentatious. I'm not sure. Um, I like this one. This is perhaps a rising phenomenon, Charlie. This is also from Mike Hull. He says um, the keeper giving it back to the opposition fans who have been giving him grief. A la Ramsdale versus Chelsea. Now, I think this, I mean, of all the player versus fan interactions you could possibly see during a game, I think this one takes the most balls because being a goalkeeper away from home, particularly, is really is the, it's the long game of taking abuse. I mean, you must just get numb to it. I mean, mm. What can someone possibly shout at you for 45 minutes like that before it loses its impact? Yeah, I think you, you burn yourself out, surely. Yeah. You, 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 it's just not sustainable. You're going to go for them for the first few minutes. Yeah. But this is definitely a big part of it, the kind of the, the back and forth with, especially, you know, if you're a keeper who's been wasting time a lot of the yeah. game and you've been getting loads of abuse, you know, then, then yeah, that, that's a massive dynamic that's going on. Ramsdale seems to do it with a smile though, Connor, which I think hmm. takes the edge off. So I think I think that might be the, the happy medium. And players should be allowed to do it, obviously, you know, hmm. within within reason. But uh, I think he does it quite well. He's probably he's pretty like a pioneer of this. Yeah, you're, you're right about the smile. It's the mood. It's it's the glow on your yeah. face as you do it rather than the scowl and the dirty look. Um, yeah. And, and, and that, that little nuance you know, means everything. It's, it's definitely one of my big bear, bugbears in sport in general. And this is specific to football. It, this doesn't happen as much in the other sports is the the outrage at you being happy about something, you know, the, from fans to the players. Like, you know, the opponent, opposition players are happy about something and they've made that visible. And I've literally seen people, you know, run over to policemen and say, look, he, he celebrated that. <laughs> <laughs> of course he celebrated. Like, you know, what? And Inciting the double standard. But it is. You know, they think, oh, you, they celebrated in front of us. And I remember there was a, a, a terrible trend a few months back where things were being lobbed onto the pitch. And mm. the, the excuse at the time, oh, look, of course, look, there's no, you know, you're not allowed to throw things to the pitch. But he did celebrate, you know, I was like, yeah. Of course he celebrated. I don't understand that, you know. But it, it, yeah, it's a, a very wide definition of incitement these ah, days, which is just other, other people being happy. I think that it, when you're just describing there about the the goalkeepers becoming numb to the the constant abuse because the you know the proximity of the fans to them. Yeah, it does remind me. It's you know slightly tangent here, but it reminds me of during the lockdown period, the behind closed doors, when we got to be inside games, which was obviously so different, and and all the paraphernalia you mentioned before, the fireworks and all those. It, it seemed. Em- 
very empty the stadium but all the, these extra people weren't there and obviously the supporters but one game in particular um, stood out for me because and it was all this is the very early uh, lockdown thing where you had to get uh, COVID tests to be allowed inside the stadium and you know we, we kind of got used to it over time but at the very very start the people who were the commentators then weren't doing the interviews on the side of the pitch you needed yeah. to be separate people you couldn't move around so I was sent to a game which was Everton Leicester at Goodison just to do the post-match interviews for match of the day and I've never done that before anytime I go to a game I commentate on it or at least report on it and then do interviews at the end but I just got to sit during the game didn't have to have headphones on sitting in a seat near the dugout and you could hear all the interactions of the team and yeah. the players and it was really insightful and I remember Casper Schmeichel the whole way through the game Leicester were one nil down and he started adding up the tally of every time he thought Everton were wasting time and he was he, <laughs> shot, he said that, that's yes, another 30 seconds ref that's another that's another 30 right we're up to three minutes now must be must be five minutes to be added on look look they're He's doing it again ref. He really and he was is. giving it giving it giving it and, and I, I can't remember exactly the game but I'm pretty sure maybe Everton uh, were were one nil up, but Leicester came back to win two one. I think that's what happened, and a huge amount yeah. of injury time at the end. But you could see how th- this was only going to encourage him to do this more often because it worked. You know, by getting in the referee's ear, as much as they want to annoy us, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, fair point. That is another delay. That is another delay. But you can hear all these these interactions, which I think during that lockdown period people like the goalkeepers enjoy because oh they can hear me you know normally I'm mm. I'm <laughs> drowned out by this cacophony whereas yeah. now even though the referee is 40 yards away if I shout loud enough he's, he's going to hear what I say so it was, it was it was a time when the goalkeeper became part of the game even more I think <laughs> Yeah there was, it, we didn't actually see, we, we saw a lot of studies about what lockdown football meant for the dynamics of a football game but I don't think anyone actually um, worked out whether appeals to referees were more successful <laughs> <Yeah>. because referees <laughs> could hear them someone uh, a very prestigious university needs to undergo Definitely. that for us um, Richard McDougall writes in Charlie and says goalkeepers often run in a precise circle in their own half when celebrating a goal we've covered this but mm. I do find it fascinating <laughs> um, unless a goalkeeper has either scored a goal or saved a penalty at the end of a penalty shootout mm. they simply are not allowed to run in a straight line mm. it's, you have to be it, it, yeah. it, just, it just works it just, <laughs> yeah. it, it must be a really satisfying it, way to run. It, it must be the the extra, um, you know, what, what's the aerodynamics of the gloves? Yeah, I was going to say that, the aerodynamics. You know, that you can't run yeah. with the hands down by your side. They, they will begin to rise. Like when you're a kid driving in a car, you put your hand outside the window, your hand goes up. So as the goalkeeper I'm runs faster, the, the hands, whether they like it or not, the kite right. effect, yeah. It works, it's perfect. Last one here, Charlie, from Alex Mosey. He says, it's rare, but a keeper briefly adding a touch of green, orange, yellow mm. on top of the monotone celebration pile of outfield players the last to arrive before the replays kick in before running back um yeah obviously always nice to see a goalkeeper joining in they're part of the team after all but it it, i have to say it makes me quite nervous in big games i don't know what the rules are anymore i'm I'm a bit confused but i worry about teams kicking off without the goalkeeper getting their back (laughs) yeah this is really true when there's a goal Stephen bergvine's 97th minute winner here larice got involved in the celebrations and 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 it's so rare Though when it it is really striking, and yeah, that's that's a long doing? way back. It's a long <laughs> way back from there, son. You've really got to be confident. It is pretty much the, the very last kick of the game. I, I do recall a brief Premier League controversy about this, Connor. I'm just I can't pinpoint it, but there was definitely a, it got to the point where someone had to clarify. <laughs> Like or, or teams were putting like keeping two players back in their own half, not allowed to celebrate, just to like not to well, you, go you, over the threshold of players you need to, in your own half. What yeah, yeah, you've, you've got to well, you've got to be back in your own half. I mean, at the bottom line, you you can't be in the opponent's half. I think that I think if you were off the pitch, it might be different. I mean, look, God, yeah. this is a this is a you are the ref, Keith Trevelyan thing <laughs> it here. Is but a bit. Um, you know, my understanding is if if you're on the field to play in the opponent's half, the referee can't start the the game. That that's yeah. that, you know, what I imagine. So I think yeah. gentlemen's but, agreement. But but it goes back to what I said. You know, yeah. Charlie mentions this ninety. 7th minute goal it, it has to be of that caliber the goalkeepers do not get involved for routine goals it is only 
the season defining goals that yeah. they that they that, you know that, that I think you're they're right. thrust there must into be a that quota they're allowed and the goalkeepers <laughs> yeah. union will boot them out 100% if they that. 100% you can't just go up for an equaliser in november or no. something like Late that late consolation like, goal <laughs> Trying to get you really happy for the guy who scored it. It's not going to improve your running stats, mate. And, and just we we cannot finish a, a conversation about goalkeeping celebrations without mentioning the 2019 Europa League final, which I was at. Uh, I commentated mm. in Baku, which was Arsenal against Chelsea, and Rob Green, who had been the sort of third choice keeper all season, yes. and it was his last game as a professional. He was retiring, but he went up and he went full hands in the air with you know Steven Gerrard in, in Istanbul, yeah. sort of sort of carry on, um, which I just thought was a lovely moment to see. You know the, the goal keeper can finally now that A he hasn't played in the match and B he's never going to play again now now he can let out the release and, yes. and, uh, <laughs> did you say in commentary but he's played his part yeah, yeah. He, he's played his part popular yeah. figure in the dressing yeah, room exactly. yeah yeah no, I'm militant about this. Um, you know, this all stems from the uh, the John Terry controversy about getting kitted up when he oh, didn't play in the European yeah. um, in the European Cup final, and the same with similar to extent Roy Keane and Paul Scholes of not being part of the celebration when they were suspended in '99. It's like you got them there. That that's that's part of the competition. You're all allowed to celebrate winning it. Yeah. That's the point. But enough. That's a for a different. Day. That's a whole whole um, podcast on its own. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear about your third fascination of football, please. Right. So this is um, there's a, a, a much respected colleague of mine called. Rob Nothman, who is what I would, if anyone is aware of the the Horse Whisperer, which is not a book or a movie I've watched or read, however I'm aware of the concept of it, he he is the the the, the commentator whisperer. Yeah, I've um, this guy. He's this mythical, legendary figure that yeah. I've never ever seen. So he's he's he's, he's brilliant, and he, he will do a lot of the training of the pundits, so players when they've retired and they you know they're going to they do a few games, and then he kind of analyzes and he has a meeting with them, and he's got a brilliant way about him, and you know he's, he's a fantastic guy, but he's he's got this lovely, gently, gently where he will he will talk you through the terrible things you've done and make you feel very good about them, but now understand why you shouldn't do them again. Um, so the, the the whisper thing is that that he's able to speak your language. I think it's difficult, like most you know broadcasting bosses tend to not have been commentators themselves so they probably find it difficult to give advice or give point never play the game <laughs> it's exactly right uh, so they 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 will be slow to give you it'll either be if you're doing a good job we will keep employing you if you're not we get rid of you there's very little of a actually we were wondering could you just could you tweak the way you do that or could you improve yeah. on this like that that just doesn't happen uh, but but rob sort of fulfills this role but anyway he um one of his his observations that i'm you know really struck home with me was this um, it's it's the pause during the build-up to a goal, the final pass is played in, it's that intake of breath when everyone goes, <gasps> and then the roar. And what he said, the, the key bit of commentary is, if in that pause, that space is occupied by the commentator, you know, following through on, you know, the sheerer moment. Mm. Um, and and the, the opposite, I guess, of it is that the, the pause happens, then the roar, and the commentator joins in in the roar. And that's fine, yeah. and that's, that's what happens most of the time. But those, yeah. that real sweet spot when the, you know, the ball plays in, and it's particularly, particularly great when it's a player you don't expect to be there. You know, it's Aaron Cresswell, you know, and, and, and then the crowd go up. And it's sort of that, you know, you really are ahead of the play here. Or you're in that sweet spot. And, and, and it, it's a thing that I've mentioned to a few people a few times. And I think even the crowd, you know, people, people realize that themselves, that, you know, you'll be chanting, you'll be shouting all game. But that brief moment where you stop, and then you go. And then obviously if it goes wide or whatever, it's the opposite. You stop and then you're, oh, the, the deflation. But that little pause, the pause before the roar is a, is a very special moment where we just time stands still. And as a commentator, if you feel you've jumped into that little, that little vacuum, it's a really satisfying uh, feeling. So we, when we hear about um, various approaches to commentary, both on radio and TV, the classic one is, is that commentators or... or uh, let me phrase this in a d- 
diplomatic way. Um, some observers say that commentators that they don't like are the ones that 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 fill the spaces that don't need to be filled, yeah. which is, you know, the aftermath of a goal. That's the classic situation where, you know, you've got to let the game breathe and let the goal breathe. But this is this is the opposite. This is a space where commentators are actively encouraged to fill this, this tiny little pocket but of time. You're, you're right. It's a paint by numbers whereby, you know, every box that's a two in it, you paint blue. Every box that's a four and you paint red. The, the, mm. This is a box that needs to be filled. And you're correct that there are many other boxes that need to be left blank in order to in, to enjoy yeah. the picture okay. as it's the mosaic right. as it's right. meant to be. But look, look, you're, you're completely right, particularly for, look, and there's a huge difference here between radio and television commentary. Radio, you are the eyes and the ears. You're the you're, you're, you're there. You can see us. You're the medium in which the information is being translated. So you, you can't give too many details. On television, you absolutely can. Don't tell me what I can see. You know, and, and people do. And look, I think just the, the manner of, of career progression, most people who end up as TV commentators start out in some way, shape or form doing radio. And when they start, they make the transition over to TV, there's too much. To, he's going to try and play it in with his right foot. So you don't really have to, you know, I'm, I'm watching the game. I can, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, and, and you know, he wheels away in celebration. Yeah, OK, I can see that he's wheeling away in celebration. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's giving the light and shade, but not sort of colouring in the, the, the full picture. But it, it and again, it, it's very hard. I, I, I would struggle to give the exact definition of, you know, if that's not what you do, what do you do? I don't know. But you, you give context, I think, is the key. So you know, the reason that this matters is... You know, mm. this this goal okay. is big because that's that's got to be the line that you come in or, you know, the, the significance of it rather than the description of what actually happened. And and that's, you know, that, that, that comes in the replay, the pundit and, you know, great work here by the by the fullback to give the, the decoy run. And, you know, they, they can describe in that. But you I don't think you do that in the here and now of the live action. Let's dig into this this specific moment that you talk about because it, it obviously takes um, an element of luck because I mean the certain scenarios might lend themselves more to this than others yes. but also it takes an innate sense of, of timing but Charlie now I now I've got this scenario in my head clear of what Connor's talking about here I feel like there's a few techniques that I've spotted that commentators can 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 choose from I guess they could they they can go for full name can't they I mean again, again it depends on what kind of shot it is if, if, a, if it's a kind of ball pulled back where it's so obviously a shooting opportunity that lends itself to full name like indeed Aaron Cresswell <laughs> yeah that that is definitely it falls to Cresswell I think is a big mm. one Oh, so you're going for a pre-context plus name. I like that. Yeah, I think, I think that's quite an important... That, that like, it falls to, sets that up really nicely. It doesn't have to have the name. Okay. You know, it, it can, it, you know, classic, you know, it's all up for grabs now even. I think, I think that was in the little lot. It was like, everyone's like, oh, he's in here. It's up for grabs now. You know, yeah. it's up that for grabs now. As now that, well, yeah. That's so much better than saying, Mikey Thomas. You know, it's, yeah, <laughs> that is true. I mean, also just the follow, like, I very much associate that with yeah, with a yes. Of, that that's, uh, that sets that up. Like when when it is a name like Aaron Cresswell, <laughs> I could just see that on, on the transcript of the, uh, but, of the Aaron Cresswell dot dot dot. Yes. The the key part of the you know the the player you don't quite expect is uh, like the, the certain commentator techniques when you are trying to buy yourself time to be sure you've got this right and and there are difficult you know number 8 the number 18 that kind of way where you have I got mm. was that 3 or was it 8 um, and you and, and the, the words you'll often hear but you know and, and would you believe it like, <laughs> and would you believe it is the classic um, I don't know exactly <laughs> but I I'm started talking this. and I need to get to the end of this before I can <laughs> say it was I this is like the last magician. <laughs> oh, 
Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving away the secrets here, don't I? Yeah. You well, there really was a the, there was a famous one. One of our colleagues used to say, "Goodness gracious!" And that was <laughs> that was. I've no idea, <laughs> but someone will tell me in a moment. Um, so yeah, I yeah. don't envy that part of the job at all. Well, it's particularly it who the hell these people are. You know, the header the from a corner way. and all the teammates in golf and your oh mm. dear you know what? three guys jumped there it could have been any of them they all have the same haircut or whatnot. Mm. Um, and and you know but you do get to, and definitely when I was younger you would gamble you would say it's probably Van Nistelrooy you know and then, and then once or twice you get it wrong and then you very much learn to if if in doubt leave it out breathe and it's 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 the certain you know little stock phrases that that imply you know what's going on even though you know, so, you know and that's the breakthrough or whatever it is just this little thing you know they're finally um, <laughs> now that you or, say this Connor as well there's definitely if you say it in a particularly declamatory way mm. like uh, that's what they needed yeah, yeah. that oh, buys uh, you a few more seconds because you know after you say that no. that, leave, that lends itself to a in, in life you know fake it till you make it assertiveness is everything I mean if you if you, you know it's that man again yeah. now which you would think <laughs> right is that mean the guy who scored before no no it's the guy who scored three weeks ago I was referring yeah, of course yeah. you know it's that man again you know it, these are the yeah <laughs> it's not that you've decided this is what you're going to do it's it's, it's a need of emergency break glass oh, sure. here yeah, you know yeah. I, I need to get through to the next eight seconds and I'm already talking how to, my dad used to always say to me you know, find the full stop quicker you know don't <laughs> don't let this become a paragraph end the sentence quickly and that's look this is why you guys have a podcast because in that in that speed to end a sentence quickly you mix a metaphor or you mm. you mess up a word or you you, you don't say what you're, because you're already jumping onto the more important thing you're about to say but it uh, it creates hilarity for all involved There's, uh, there is one last resort if you're really not sure who scored you know like in a gold mouth scramble or something which is you can you can sort of um almost rhetorically ask the viewers yes Wait, rudiger was it yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely <Don't know>. yeah. <laughs> you tell me no, but, but it's also um, it's like you know of course i know but i'm i'm just keeping rhetorical for your benefit yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah yeah and, and it's humble, you know. it's a humble approach to identifying a <laughs> goal scorer <laughs> okay so, could have foreseen that yes yeah yeah <laughs> you couldn't have scripted it I, yeah, i'm in the yeah. process of working it out myself yeah. <laughs> looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is football cliches. Okay, that's the well, that's the less fun bit. That's your loves of football. Let's talk <laughs> about the the much more exciting bit. Your irritations of football. Mm, mm. Um, uh, go wild. Yeah. So look, look. The first one, I'm, I'm kind of calling this Keeve peeve. This is my peeve right. about Keeve. Uh, so up until 
gee, how many months ago is it now? Let's let's say the start of the year. Um, I called the capital of Ukraine Kiev. I've been to Kiev many times. I've been there, and now it's it's very much Kiev. And the reason is because we are, this is the Ukrainian version of it, and absolutely, it's that's the capital of their country. That's how we should pronounce it. And I think in the main, there has been uh, an unfussy adoption of this. So people say, yes, mm. dead damn right too. Kiev it is. We, we we innocently said Kiev before. We won't do that again. It's now Kiev. Once or twice, it'll accidentally slip into conversation. But but we know that now the correct is Kiev. This never happens in football. This 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 correction phenomenon. Because in in football, whatever the initial adopted pronunciation, K D B showed up at Chelsea and someone said, how do you pronounce your name? And that someone came away from that talk with this. There's a Y in there. I mean, he didn't say the Y, but there is a Y in there. So <laughs> it, it, I'm going to go, what he did, I'm going to add the Y. So it's De, De Bruyne. De Bruyne. That's it. It's Kevin De Bruyne. So then he becomes known as Kevin De Bruyne. That's it now. It doesn't matter, you know, and, mm. and, and his name is Kevin De Bruyne. But it doesn't matter. You know, Kevin De Bruyne is what it is. And it, it is uh, the the bane of my life. It, this goes back when I was a child. Kevin Moran did not play for Manchester United. Paul McGrath did not play for Manchester United. You know, the, the reason significant to me was, you know, those were Irish players. And I, I, I don't get this. And there was Mark Kinsella, you know, and I'd be Mark Kinsella. And, and what I felt when I become a commentator was, well, I'm going to get those names right. But then where you get a difficulty, and I guess the, the innocence of youth was, I thought a name is a name. So in Ireland, uh, surname C-A-H-I-L-L is always be Cahill. Yeah. But, you know, but Tim Cahill. But, and for a while, I think I did call him Tim Cahill because I thought, you're all getting it wrong. That's an Irish oh, name God. and it's Tim Cahill. You it know what I mean? Wrong. It's wrong. It's, 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 it's completely wrong. And that's what it is. It's that, you know, th- there is no divine right to this. You know, my name could be McNamara. If someone else calls it McNamara or something, you know, th- that's, that's what they've decided it is. I can't say that, you know, that's how your name is said. The only person is, is it's how they say it themselves. And, and in recent years, the Premier League have been great that the start of the season, they sit down every single squad player and they get them to say their name to camera. And then from a commentator's point of view, that's brilliant because then, you you know, you know, it's not Leroy Zane, Sane. It's, um, I mean, the, the best one, actually, and this this is actually the best description. In Holland, it's Dennis Bergkamp. Okay. Now, if you say, oh, you know, the Arsenal legends like Dennis Bergkamp, there's one thing. One people I think, well, A, he hasn't a clue what he's talking about, or B, how pretentious is mm. this yes. idiot? This right? is a thing. This is definitely a thing. It's 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 the bane of my life. So I go through my life discovering what the correct is, and then having to decide, do I want to be correct? Yes. Because is mm. being correct if I say Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, am I going to be an idiot? Interesting so- example that you bring up there, because um, uh, quite handily, out of nowhere, through. Pure serendipity. I have a, a nice lengthy montage of commentators saying the name of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer over the years. Solskjaer! He's got another chance, he's got a goal! And Solskjaer there! And here is Solskjaer! To Solskjaer! Solskjaer! 2 0! But Solskjaer's on the field, anything's possible! Solskjaer for Manchester United! Goal! There's Solskjaer! There's Solskjaer! Oh, Solskjaer with a chance! Solskjaer! Solskjaer! Who has scored? Solskjaer! Goal! Solskjaer! And Solskjaer has scored! From his own half, chased by Solskjaer of all people. That's a foul and Solskjaer will be sent off for that. I have to say, as a uh, as a, an undimming Barry Davis loyalist, I, I simply... I, 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 will, I have to pronounce it Solshara from now on. Yeah. But I remember this so vividly when this happened, when he started saying Solshara. And I remember thinking, I had so much faith in him. I did think, he must know something we don't. He, yeah. he must have found this out. But I mean, so much of what you say there, Connor, is just so resonant. I mean, 
because I've I've said this before, like using you talked about the Burkham example, but like Thierry Henry is a kind of roughly francophone way of saying it. It's not perfect, but if you said Terry Henry, you'd be like, that sounds ridiculous. Mm. However, if you said Robert Pires, uh, you'd be like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you shut up, no. basically. That, that, it's just no consistency. I remember Jonathan Pierce suddenly going with Luis Garcia. And it was <laughs> like, <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. I yeah, knew you were going to do the Luis Garcia. Valentia. It's so weird. But, but, John, John Champion did a Fanti Cazorla and then <laughs> said at half, said in the second <laughs> half, I've been getting complaints. <laughs> and and, and I, why am I saying this? Because I asked him and he it's, told me that's, that's what his name is. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, look. The, the best one for this, actually, now that I think about it, in terms of one sentence, you say, good evening. We're here tonight in Paris. We're watching... Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. What? What? Hang on. What? I mean, you know, those, nobody would bat an eyelid at that that sentence construction. But you're you're saying the exact same word in a different way. You know, Bayern München. Why don't yeah. we say that? Yeah, it's true. But but it's, it's become true. the you know so the the difficulty and this is you know for the fine established one. You know, I'm not going to next season start saying Bayern München all the time. But when a new player you know arrives from Africa, arrives and so you know not not a household name, and in those early weeks of the season, the agenda is set. And I think as a commentator, you, you feel it's almost like, well, hopefully if, you know, if, if I and if a few other people all together say it the right way, that will be, you know, it won't be Arsene Wenger. It'll be Arsene Wenger, you know, and, and, and you just hope that that takes off. But but where you've the sinking ship is if if a number of commentators go with a different version, an incorrect version. And, and I'll give you an example. I'm sure you won't mind me saying it because it's a good um it's, it's a good rationale, even if I don't agree with it. So Guy Mowbray's rationale is he says... It, the sound, go back to your Thanti Chathola, he said, if the sound exists in the English language, he'll yeah. go with it. If okay. the sound yeah. doesn't exist in the English language, he's got to adapt. So I, I you know, I, I get the logic behind that. But, but you know, but 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 then you, you will always have the exceptions where you'll say, well, look, I'm going to go with this because it's so well known or it's because it's, you know, this, yeah, this exactly. guy is, but, exactly. but, 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 you know, what is the threshold? And, and the trouble is that you get lost at sea because for a few months you will continue in the correct while everyone else has stopped doing it and then eventually you've just sort this of is meekly... What yeah. This is what fascinates me because there, there is the pretension aspect to it. You know, that there, there are certain pronunciations of things that people would expect you to to say in wider society and, then, and therefore you go with it. But the other point is the crucial one here. At what point, how long is that kind of um, adjudication period, yeah. for want of a better way of saying it, after which that's it, it's locked in? I mean, what, six months, a year? And well, after that, it, there's, you can't go back. Yeah. And is that fair to say? Yeah, no, and th- this is the difficulty. It's completely fair to say, and it's the frustration where you, you in a job where you are trying your best to be as accurate as possible, you then have to... Mm. give this concession of I'm now going to do the incorrect thing because that's what the the masses uh, expect. And yet, you know, then the pedants are going to go, well, my wife is German and she says it's, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, like, so you, you it's, it's the classic example where, you know, by saying it, you're going to upset someone. <laughs> well, it's like, I find that with, with who and whom, this is a constant thing for me. I have if no I, idea. So I, I know what it is. And if, but if I use whom, I feel does that sound really pretentious? <laughs> it does. But I can't bring myself not to, because if I don't, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, there's going to be some pedant who says, oh, I think it should be whom there. And, and, because, and it's, it's, you know what it should be. So once you know that, it's really hard not to do it. I wish I'd had this argument to hand when I use Sieg instead of Segway. Because uh, <laughs> uh, 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 it works the opposite way for me. Sieg sounds more quite, you know, uh, sophisticated than Segway. So I wish I'd had that argument to hand. One example of a name being changed. For his first 
Yeah, roughly. It was Jermaine Genus. Yeah, and good then one. I remember very vividly it became Genus almost overnight. By the time Tyler did the Genus by name, Genius by Nature, which was I think <laughs> ah. April two thousand and three, it had just changed. Yeah. but it was Genus. No, I, I think you're right. And the, where I would just slightly uh, differ is that you're right. A lot of people said the the Genus, but I would still say there was a contingent who were saying it, you know, Genus. And, and so therefore it wasn't the complete, there was an uncertainty, there was an unknown, most people went with, and then it finally became the, the sort of considered, but, but no, you're right. And even, I think there was, this, for a long time, there's been a Micah, Micah Richards thing as well, which has taken a while to go. And I think as he's become more high profile, it's, it's kind of straightened itself out. But, but these, it's just that, I guess what it is, it's in life, you control the controllables. And this is the thing where, you know, usually in life, you say, oh, how many goals has he scored this season? I can control that. I can go and find out how many goals, and I can know and be sure that I am right in saying that. Whereas this is, by all the research, by talking to the guy in the flesh and him telling me how his name is, I can still be perceived to be getting it wrong or being pretentious. And that's really annoying. It's a no-win situation. Hate that. Just think that there might be a couple of far-flung people in sort of a remote area of the UK who still pronounce it Lee Boyer. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I feel for those people. I do fear for them. But, you know, it's good. It's good that they still exist. Good example. Just to keep the language going. Absolutely. <laughs> um, tell us about your your second irritation of football, please. This, this is where you're starting to really get stuck into the niches, I think. Yeah, I, look, I feel this is an important niche. And I, I do think this is definitely a modern phenomenon. This didn't happen more than 10 years ago. So you, you will see... Uh, team on the pitch, they come out. The huddle has, you know, long been a, a thing, and that's fine. But the the huddle is, you know, has a function. It's let's get in close so we can hear one voice. We're, you know, we're bonding together, but we're clearly, you know, we can all listen. But the breakaway from the huddle, and then what is clearly an instruction or has become a formality is every player has to give a hug to every <laughs> other player. Mm-hmm. That bit, no, you know, I mean, and I'm all on for, you know, was it, uh, who was it? Was it uh, Barthez and Laurent Blanc would kiss his head? And that was their little natural thing. Lovely. And if they were playing for a pub team, they would have done that anyway. You know, that was the thing that they both wanted to do and they fed off it. But you can just tell it's like, come on, boys, we're a team. You know, do it. Come on. You didn't hug him. Get over there and hug him. You know, the left back hasn't hugged the right winger. And, and the obligation, and if you see how half-heartedly it's done, but clearly one or two players who've got this kind of Roy Keane mentality of this is a waste of time, just go out there and be your best player. You don't have to show this public affection or show a show of bonding, like just be bonded. Um, but they do this half-hearted little grope at each other and they go around. And then there's always one or two who are really into it and they're squeezing and, you yeah. know. Um, and, and they're, You've got to you know, do that with your co-commentator. Yeah, right? yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's like the referee and his assistants doing the big kind of bro handshake. Well, that is a yeah. funny one. I've never thought about that before, but you know what does happen in that, that 10 seconds before you're handed over to, there is always a nod or a thumbs up or sometimes a kind of handshake type of thing between so commentators. Luck, there, right. Yeah, it's Let's a, yeah, we're going into the, 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 the tra- I got your back here. You know, I'll, I'll dig you out of the hole when you say the wrong thing here. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll give you a kick in the shins when you, when you identify the wrong, you know, player or whatever. But yeah, the, but, but yeah, there's just something about it. I think it sums up, there's a lot of this. I remember when Sammy Lee was an assistant coach, I used to think he was far too animated in his warm up routine encouragements. So they're doing little shuttle spray <laughs> and he'd be like, you know, this vigorous, over-the-top, red-in-the-face, come on, boys. And it just, it's smacked of, you're, you're trying to artificially pump it out. Now, maybe that's what the job is, you know, I don't know. But And then, you know, you see, you know, teams come out at halftime and they put the little track on the pitch and they do their jumping up and down little sprints. And there's, you know, obviously a performance coach or something, but he's always, you know, but it, it, there's something just very unnatural about it where you're trying to go, we're G'd up, boys. We're, we're convincing yeah. ourselves we are, even though we're not. I, I don't know what it yeah. is, but it, for me, it's, it's most summed up by the fake hug and the, the obligation whereby I've already hugged 
eight of my teammates where's the last three I haven't hugged yet <laughs> that's performative art that's not you know that's not fulfilling any purpose for I, me I do worry about the logistics of this Charlie I have to say I mean the huddles as we've established are, are a very efficient way of, of doing this team bonding but mm. I I do worry about that the kind of individual high-fiving that goes on before the game and like that someone might get left out because they don't they're not worthy of it or Perhaps is this like a departmental approach? Is it defenders high fiving their fellow defenders, like because they've got a job to do together? Is that is that maybe the approach that we should be adopting? That would work quite nicely. Yeah, I think that would make more sense. But is this all a sort of um, consequence or symptomatic of the kind of pre-game where everyone from when you have to walk past the opposite team and everyone shakes hands? I mean, is it all just part of this sort of completist? Yeah, maybe. I don't know, um, sense that we all need to, we all need to do this. It, 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 it smacks me mm. of, not every team obviously does this. In fact, I would say it's the minority of teams who do it, but it's clearly the coach or whoever's instilled this idea has been on too many, you know, Zoom conferences with right, motivational leash. speakers who've climbed mountains, you know, and it just, does, <laughs> just it smacks of that to me. And I, I th- okay. feel that stuff needs to be stamped out. I don't know if there's any correlation between that and, and results, but it, it dawned on me while thinking about this, Charlie, that um, at the elite level, it's obviously a very, very um, complex arrangement that's going on here. Some of us don't really understand what relationships are being forged here. But at Sunday League level, it's a much simpler situation. I'm pretty sure you only have to interact just before kickoff with the guy you're playing next to. So mm. centre-halves, you've got to get that partnership going, right? You're going to go, I'll stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Midfielders yeah, yeah. will do it. Center, one centre-half to the goalkeeper. Talking, yeah, we need some talking <laughs> back there. That's that's absolutely mandated by law yes. that you have to tell your goalkeeper <laughs> that you need talking back there. I um, think as well, a right, a right winger will say to their right back, or, you know, let's you know if you overlap that's fine but you know you just don't do don't it too, too far don't, yeah, don't, don't, <laughs> stay in your lane basically imagine uh, if premier league footballers are saying this i love the idea of, of premier league center half 10 to his goalkeeper and saying anyway let's have some chat yeah let me know where you are but, but you what, know what foot are you again the, the, I find this fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this it's it's looking for the cheap guaranteed wins. I think that's what it is. It's like in in and you're dead right. Sunday league football. It's if things aren't going well, the solution to it is come on, boy, get more vocal. Let me hear you. You know because yeah. because they can't prevent us doing that. You know we can talk. They can't stop us. So we can feel we're succeeding in something. We can't pass. We can't defend. But boy, can we talk to each other? And it's it smacks of desperation. Really, if I'm playing in a Sunday league game and the opponents are saying lot more come on boys I can't hear you talk more I go great we've got these they're rattled <laughs> exactly. so, so that's why if it's on my team and one of my teammates is doing it, I don't like like shut up you're letting them know we're disorganized <laughs> you know this is this is a big big issue yeah, yeah it affects you more deeply than you ever imagined exactly um, all right we asked our listeners um for some of their niche pre-kickoff rituals that they've spotted. We'll race through these. Ross Tyson, Charlie, says, please give a shout out to Jordan Henderson, the world's leading pre-kickoff hunched for no reason hand clap and come on, guy. (laughs) It's dying out. It is dying out. I mean, maybe as Connor suggested, as these things start to become born out of kind of motivational speaker Mm -hmm. things and, and sports psychologists, the old 
leaning forward a bit and giving a massive clap just doesn't cut it anymore. Henderson, I can yeah. Him doing yeah, it. He's yeah, a yeah. big clapper, huge yeah. clapper. Yes, uh, getting, yeah, but getting very low. Yeah. 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 Connor, Robbie Michael says a player being dragged into the captain's obligatory kickabout with the seven year old mascot because they're the nearest one. <laughs> Again, you could be interrupting a very important warm up, someone who might be injury prone, someone whose hamstrings might be liable to go at any minute. If you're dragging them into a silly little kickabout with a seven year old. Okay, right. No, I'm glad you brought this up. And, you know, this is the whole purpose of this things I've never thought about before but but I've, I've realized this this actually does roil me so I spend my life at games before you know the stuff you don't see on TV the, and the the mascots come out very very early because they're keen as mustard and they don't want you know the, the organizers the people who work at the stadium want them you know you don't want them coming out the tunnel at the same time as the players whatever it is so they're out on the pitch and you might have three or four mascots and then there's uh, an elderly gentleman who's like, you know, the honorary position of the club who kind of looks after this stuff. And he kind of gets them, go, there's a ball, lads, have a little kick around. And this is their big moment. And they're, you know, they've got the gleaming new gear and their family are all down as close as they can be. And the photos have been taken. And I, and I just see this endless run, line of, yes, professional players who have a job to do and are very busy. I get that. But come over and give them a, you know, do a little <laughs> flick, ruffle their hair, you know, not make them come on, you know, give them seven seconds on your way out. They don't. Get them in the rondo. <laughs> but you do, exactly. Go in the middle and just do a little shot around them and make their day. You know, so have that, that photo of Luis Diaz bearing down on your six-year-old child that you can put in the mantelpiece <laughs> at home. Rather than, oh, there's your six-year-old child passing to another six-year-old child while while famous player is miles in the distance. And yeah. I see them, they run out and they just brush past because it's business and it's work. And, look, and I get it. Usually on match day, kids are, I want a jersey, I want a selfie, I want an autograph. So they, you know, they, they burst past that. But I just think these kids who are on the pitch, just give them a second of your time. I'm really surprised they don't. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I never realised how upset I was about that until now. This, this reeks of 30-year grudge after you were once a... <laughs> that's a good point and it doesn't... Yeah, it's a good... That's a good point and it doesn't... No, no. I think, I think what it is, I think I, sp- I spend a lot of time at that sort of, you know, waiting to exit a stadium reception area where they won't let you out because the team bus has just pulled up and you're waiting, you know, I always want to get away, but you won't allow you out that exit. And you see all these kids waiting, 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 and then the players just go straight past. And you think, it's so easy. And and I think, you know, you compare it to other sports, rugby at the end of a game, they'll come to the side of the pitch and they'll They'll sit there for half an hour and they'll talk to people. Uh, golf, you know, not and, and there's time and place, and I get that, you know, maybe not on the Masters Sunday, but on the on the warm up days and stuff. The golfers will spend forty five minutes just going along signing every kid's flag or whatever they have. Um, and I think I think football, it, it's just been excused. No, you don't need to do that. You're you know you're, you're superstars, you're godlike, and I think that feeds into some of the attitudes then that that we don't like in, elsewhere in the game. Do you and stop and sign autographs for little kids in sheepskin jackets with <laughs> lip bikes hanging outside the stadium? <laughs> So, so the, the truth of this is, is I'm surprised at how often, and I'm, I'm genuinely, this is like how you can like art, you know, oh, I'm getting myself into a muddle here because like no matter what I say, it's going to sound terrible. It's, I know, it's, I know what's coming. It's yeah, fine. is that is that you 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 know often say the the gantry is the other side of the pitch you have to walk around and you'll be like Connor, Connor, and I was like, will you sign my program? And it's like. Why? Like, what, <laughs> what possible reason could? And then you go, you can't be the asshole to not do it. But I saw oh, one of those on eBay the other who day. Who wants these? <laughs> I mean, it's it's very strange. But look, harmless fun kind of thing. But it, yeah, it, it amuses. I think people just want proximity to the action. And I think you know, you're on the pitch. I recognise who you are, and therefore I want some interaction with you. And and this is the whole thing, you know, selfies. Though you know, people going to rock concerts in the past, you would buy the T-shirt. You know, Nirvana World Tour 19 whatever. That, the whole point of that was it was I was there. You know, I was at that gig. Look, I have the T-shirt. That's, you know, and nowadays that that doesn't exist. It's 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 the self. It's why we're getting all these pitch invasions now. In the past, people would 
invade the pitch just you know excitement and a few hundred of them are. now everyone's got to be on the pitch because you've got to tell your mates I was one of those guys on the pitch look here's the photo of me with poor yeah. Robin Olsen getting clattered behind me you know yeah <laughs> breaking a, a gobble but it, it's it's uh, if it wasn't for mobile phones you wouldn't have the the rush of people to get on the pitch and it applies across everything it's like I was there look at me here I was and, and I think they're just trying I think to get to the gantry Connor Exactly. Exactly. But it, it's pe- people want something tangible to say that you know that the proof I was there. I got the the autograph of someone, and it's um, yeah, it's funny. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. Directv gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Right, it's time for your third and final irritation of football. I love this one. Take it away. Yeah, okay, so, uh, I mean, it, it's a difficult one to sort of describe. It's, when you're commentating the game, there's certain moments where there is this sort of uh, absolutely everyone in unison agrees, oh, that's good, you know, and you get this this warm applause. It's not it's not roaring and screaming. It's not wild celebration, but it's like, oh, yeah, oof, yeah. oh, yeah, lovely, right? And the easiest one of those to achieve for me seems to be, and, and, and it was this was very resonant in Louis van Gaal era uh, Manchester United, particularly when Wayne Rooney played in midfield, is it's the the pass from cent- a congested central midfield area out to a fullback. <laughs> now, there's a very important okay. definition. I don't want to get this wrong. I am not talking about the fullback who's made the storming run mm. to the edge of the area and the ball into his path, which is going to create a crossing position. And, you know, that, I mean, that is absolutely worthy of praise and is extremely great high skill and whatever. But it's just the mid of the midfield. Look, I could play it up to the striker's feet. I could try and get one of these balls in behind the fullback. But you know what I'm going to... I might give it away. I'm going to play it to the fullback. Now, the important thing, if you play it back to the goalkeeper, no one goes, oh, oh, oh yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you play it to the centre half, no. But by mm. playing it to the fullback... It somehow is, oh, great vision. Great <laughs> vision to spot that guy in a neutral area of the pitch where he cannot hurt the opponent. You've <laughs> spotted him in space there because the opponents don't need to mark him there because he can't do any damage there. But it is it is universally, you will not go to a stadium where that pass is not, oh, oh so the vision that this guy is. is, is and I think it goes back to my earlier point. It's, it's You're looking for control of a, of a situation and, and you sort of say, oh, come on, play a good pass, play a good pass. Oh, what's he doing? I mean, look, okay, look, we still have it. It's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, good, you know. And it, I don't know, I, I, the, mind, the psychology of it is very, very interesting. But because it's so universal, it fascinates me. And, and But it also, it, 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 I feel we should be better than that. In our standards of what we think, you know, we see so many world-class <laughs> moments and high pieces of skill it should take more to get that reaction <laughs> I'm genuinely than annoyed by this I'm now. really annoyed this by it this is great no, this is good <laughs> we should be better than this it's is, is exactly right it's exactly right we have spoken about this before Charlie but I'm, I'm always delighted to discuss it because it is one of my favourite mini phenomena in sort of live football consumption but I think from, from maybe from a radio context 
Charlie. I think I think this could perform quite a useful function. I'm so used to seeing it on TV. Mm-hmm. And as 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 Connor points out, you look at it and think, oh, what's so impressive about this? Maybe there's an element of relief about it. I think mm-hmm. we've established this before. But on radio, maybe maybe it really comes into its own when you can't see what's going on because you need these little bits of security mm-hmm. if you're listening to your own team on the radio. The opposite situation and this is this is where i have to say connor i find it really difficult to listen to football on the radio if it's my team particularly because it's the radio the very particular radio commentator intonation of an attack breaking down not not a not a really threatening attack maybe just one that's just going down the wind that looks like it might be promising but then just fizzles out into nothing or it's just kind of like player x here on the right and and he feeds feeds winger y but oh and then so and then you said oh and then you just you've ruined my weekend deflation the the last two minutes of my life all the hope that i've built up well that's the first time i've heard that that example because usually it's the opposite usually it's the I was listening to the radio and you made it mm. sound like it was the most threatening you know oh my god mm. here they come and then I saw it back in match of the day and it was it was a very slow part of the game whatever I I yeah you're right I, I think the, the the what I love is the gear change so this usually happens midway through a second half where the home team have just kind of got away with one and nearly conceded or maybe just missed a chance things were going but now suddenly they've won the ball back inside it has to be inside their own half it's yeah. nearly always the right back now takes it towards the halfway line and there's this sudden gear change and even the kind of go, now, right, yes, here we go. Yes. And the crowd are suddenly, whoa. And it's not a threatening moment. It never leads to a goal or anything, but you just, right, now the, you know, the, the pendulum has swung here. So are you led by your understanding of football in that moment when you see a, a fullback marauding into space, you know, gearing up for a big attack? Or is it a kind of a crowd thing? You think, well, okay, well, if the crowd is starting to swell, then maybe it I is, can it is a show a bit more. beautiful, spiritual, sexual moment where <laughs> everyone knows without, you know, it's it's you don't need to see an indication. You don't need to... You, yeah. Your reaction is matched by the other thousands there who all go... Oh, mm. something! Yeah. Ooh, ooh! Yeah. Here we go! You know, and it's it's it it, it the, the, the noise. Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> that's exactly it, it, hello, exactly. <laughs> that's that is it. Hello, um, it, but if you could imagine the behind, behind closed doors days when they were running the faders of the fake crowd noise. You know, in in so this is a real stadium with real crowd in there, but a, a different yeah. track is played. It, it just oh, instead man. of the it's a, whoa, mm. you know this and this mood. And as a commentator, I love that. And it's like, well, here they go. And it, and I I I'm so embarrassed to say I have said this before on a podcast. And it's only to make myself cringe. Sometimes I literally put my left hand down and I move the gear, which is so sad wow. to admit. That's yeah, is sad. quite the thing to make public knowledge. Yeah. I have to yeah. say, yeah, um, I don't know why I do that, but yeah, I, I sometimes go here we go, and it's like mm. I love it, and I think that's one of the things I just love. And, and you, you definitely get on radio more than TV, um, yeah. where you right, I had been you know, max here in fourth gear, but we've just gone into fifth gear now. We've, you know, the crest of the hill and we're now gathering mm. pace. Is and it's a great feeling. Manual Oh, it has to be manual. Oh, no, 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 no. Manual. Manual. Okay, Absolutely. fine. Absolutely. I think, good point. I think TV commentary is, is automatic. So you come up okay. through it, but it, it happened without you, you know, being excited oh, about nice it. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. Um, another little <laughs> tangent for this, Charlie. Um, this particular scenario got me thinking because the... The point being made here is that the 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 pleasant applause that you get from a very simple pass out wide is slightly disproportionate, but we all accept it because we all understand what it means. It's just it's a bit like oh yeah, the ball's safe, it's out there, it's fine. We all we're all happy. But I am now slightly obsessed as my kind of amateur football career hangs in the balance these days about ring fencing tiny passages of elite football that I think I would be able to perform like perfectly well. 
I, there would be no, you wouldn't be able to notice that I wasn't a pro. And the pass out wide from a midfield position to a fullback in space feels like that could be the upper limit of what I'm talking about here. <laughs> but we asked our listeners for the most impressive in-game footballing acts where you think, yeah, I could do this. Let's begin with Berdinho, who also opts for the switching of the play, which also gets a decent round of applause. So this is obviously a common thing. And, and when you see sort of defenders passing the ball between themselves in the early stages of a match, you think, I could do that, as long as I get the pace on the ball right. Because they, obviously they do pass it harder than you probably think. But yeah, I think, yeah, if you drop me into this game for about five seconds, I'd survive. That's what I'm talking about. I de- it's funny. I actually I got to play at Spurs Stadium last week and I did this, but it was the most easy, which is from a centre. When you get the ball passed back to you, you're in central midfield. The easiest thing you can do, take a touch and just cur- do oh. that curling pass out to the fullback. Mm. You know, you know, he's obviously free. You're under no pressure. Still mm. felt great, though. Mm. And I still in my head could, could hear sort of 60,000 empty seats giving me a nice little ripple of applause for it. So, uh, yeah, little humble start to this section, Connor. Here's the gear change. Darren <laughs> Jalland writes in and says, the most impressive in-game act I could do is lobbing a keeper from halfway when he's five <laughs> yards outside his area. It's not that hard as long Oof. as you're hitting the ball on the bounce. Yeah. I definitely couldn't do it with a rolling ball as per Beckham versus Wimbledon, though. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> slight concession from Darren there. No, that happened there. I, I, but I, other than that, he feels like he could lob a Premier League goalkeeper from the halfway line. No, you know, I want the Pepsi taste challenge on this. I want to see that happen, you know, with, with, with all those thousands of people, as much as you think a straightforward, you know, ball bounce, you know, it will skew off the outside of your boot. That is guaranteed. The tremble <laughs> in your in your foot would have it would have it skewed. Now, I think, you know, the people you always say, the complaints about corner, a dreadful corner. Oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. headed away, but just yeah. get it, beat the first, beat the first man. You know, simple. Yeah. If you think about it, you know, draw the line of, of what you want to do is it, it, it can't go more than six inches higher than that first defender. Anything yeah. more than six, it's going to sail over everyone. So that, right. and that first defender is, you know, 30 meters away from you. That, it's, it's a tiny margin that you're trying to hit. Like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. But I do always say the best corner kick takers, undoubtedly, goalkeeping coaches, because okay. all they do mm. week in, week out is fling crosses yeah. <laughs> into the penalty area at just the height that the keeper would have to stretch for. And that is that they, they are, you, you watch a warm up, they will never give a bad cross. You never see a bad cross from a goalkeeping coach. Bring them on in the last minute for a, yeah, yeah. if you need a goal. Yeah. Um, the delusion continues, Charlie. Matthew Allison writes in and says, a big looping volley from the halfway line. I, I like the way he tries to sneak in a bit of a Glenn Hoddleism in here just to make him yeah. sound like he's really up to it. A big looping volley from the halfway line like Rooney against West Ham or Matty Taylor back in the day where it just sits up lovely and you just smash it high and far and it loops in. What are these people no. on? No, no. What, what, <laughs> I wasn't what, expecting things What like this, Max, this is, it's like the way Tiger Woods just gets his driver. Yeah. He yeah. puts the ball on the tee and he just hits. I mean, I can do that. You know, yeah, okay, but the outcome might be a little bit different. I, I've no doubt you can swing your boot at the ball, but it's not going to go where you mental. think it is. No. Absolutely mental. I mean, to be fair to Matthew Allison, Charlie, if he I mean he is potentially a Matty Allison, that does sound like someone who probably could <laughs> yes. volley over a goalkeeper from 50 the, yards. So but, give him some credit. When you mentioned they're both playing the game at Spurs, um, a few years back I played a game at Man City and they put it on the grade, it was on the, the pitch of the Etihad and they in advance told us to pick a number and a name to put on the shirt and they printed it up and everybody made the same mistake of going for a size that they think they are rather than what they should do. And this was the proper kit. You know, this is the kit the players wear. Humiliating. So it's cling film 
And in your head, you're sitting and you use the real dressing rooms and you're putting on the socks and the, oh, it's great. And you come out on the pitch and, and there was one chance where I chest the ball down near the centre circle, pinged it out to the fullback, pinged ran into it. the pedal, pinged it, ran into the penalty area where the fullback, of a game of astonishingly bad quality, the fullback delivered this amazing cross, which I jumped, but I was aware that the post was very close and I kind of oh, did a no. slight oh. one of these and I ended up cushioning the header into the arms of the overweight oh. uh, goalkeeper who would never have got there if it was anything on target. Oh, Still though, at that it. moment, you know, do the little jog back and, you know, the camera's on me now kind of thing. Little knowing that it being Man City, you've got great resources, they, they were filming the game. <laughs> and afterwards, they distributed a video. So straight away, I'm fast forwarding to this moment where, you know, that, that's where I nearly scored at the Etihad, guys. You know, first of all, this, this man who was pregnant uh, took the ball down on his chest. <laughs> he, this massive bulge, though, I don't know where that came from, uh, played it out. Then he twaddled his way up into the pedal here. Ball came, and he just does this horrible chicken leap of a bleh. <laughs> and it was horrendous. But, but it's in your head, you think it's much better. Yeah, that's what and matters, that, though, right? Don't that's ever see yourself play football. I, I think that's maybe bleeding into your, your contribution suggestions there where they feel they could do this yeah you know your, your your brain could send the message to your foot but but whether it would be received I don't know yeah it's yeah it's all about the pace and the tempo of the game in your head as far as I'm concerned Charlie Charlie writes in and says anytime a goalkeeper makes a really quick reflex save I honestly have a brief moment where I could go, where I go oh I could do that kind of sympathize with this one that's not talent is it getting in the way <laughs> Is it? Well, because you think it's like an instinctive human yeah, pres- yeah. act of preservation. I, but it's going to hit my face if I don't put my hand yeah. up. So this isn't what they train. Put my hand up. This isn't what they train for, unless you count that stupid thing where they have to touch the lights after they after after they come on. Yeah. Um, other than that, I felt the average human could perform that. What they couldn't then do though is that what we talked about before—they're getting up to do the second one, which oh, is yeah, the yeah. most sort of commentator shorthand for that's great. Go- you know, that's what they trained for. That's what they, they trained for. for. Yeah, I'm, the double I'm, save I'm beyond most Or of could you do, Adam, the other goalkeeper, the other commentator sort of failsafe of so impressive he's done that because he's had nothing to do the rest of the game. <laughs> Would you have that superhuman level of concentration? That yeah, we yeah. I think for? I could stand somewhere for 89 minutes and then suddenly <laughs> and then stop something, something going past me. But now I've, now I've described it, it doesn't sound that difficult. Uh, a final one for you, Connor. Mm. HRH Symphonia writes in with something of a snarky tone and they say I'm pretty sure I could take a foul throw and get away with it like the majority of footballers mm. seem to do disparity Someone's... between yeah. uh, normal you know real life football kids football Sunday league football and the professional game uh, yeah. where but and also I, I wonder like when you play Sunday league football every throw in regardless of whether it was foul or otherwise it, the opposition go foul throw and the referee is swayed by it so easy. I wonder in the professional game, does that happen? I don't do they go for every throw? They go, foul throw, foul throw. I just don't think they bother. What? But it, it is one of the great frustrations of, I mean, I don't play Sunday League football anymore, but I used to hate was every single throw in, mm. foul throw, ref, foul throw. And you go, come on, just, it's a game. Can we just enjoy it? But they are. Oh, Charlie's I, not going to agree with this. No. no, no, I fully agree. <laughs> I, I feel very strongly about this. I genuinely think that one of the best things that we do in this country officiating wise is allowing foul throws to go in the Premier League. <laughs> I just think it's a nonsense. In Sunday League, A, yes, there's the appealing, but there's also this thing where you can't take a short throw in Sunday League because you'll get pinged for a foul yeah. throw. Yeah. There's so no, you're right, there's no such thing to, as a short throw. You have to fling yeah, it. You can't yeah. do it. So yeah. all you can do is launch it up the line yeah. and mm-hmm. hope to get another throw where you then launch it up the line again. So I, I think 
the whole like, oh, it's a foul throw in Premier League is a, is when people get annoyed about that is nonsense. Just let them take foul throws. It doesn't. Adv- it's not like it's adv- giving you an unfair advantage. Yeah. I think it's great that people are allowed to do foul throws. In yeah, it's possibly it's most irritated I've, I've heard you for a while on here, so it's it's good to get you out your comfort zone. But yeah, and and new foul throws would would arouse you in one way <laughs> or the other. So uh, good to that is your mess at Harland Dix Connor. Um, do you do you feel do you feel like you've um you've opened a world into your profession and got some things off your chest at the same time? No, ex- exactly. That's what it is it's opened up a little pandora's box that i that i keep hidden and uh, i mean i like i want to make an admission to you guys as well is that i i genuinely i'm so admiring of what you do but <laughs> i can't listen to it regularly and the reason is because to have a flow of conversation to have a flow of a commentary you need to be not too worried about the exact mm-hmm technicalities of what you're saying and if you do you even as I'm doing now you stumble and you slightly hesitate and you be careful to not say season twice but say campaign the other time you know, uh, and, that's and it. yeah that's why um, you're here that's, that's why you're here you know how it works exactly campaign comes after season exactly Everybody should follow it is rule. it is the rule but but that has to come naturally and if, if you spend too much time worrying about that you can't commentate in the game and it's 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 annoying because uh, I, I genuinely you know love you know, on a trade journey or whatever I listen to you guys I think it's so so funny but I was thinking, right, if I go to come on this, it has to be the week after the season ends because I can't be doing games after that. I'll be, I'll be far too oh, worried about what I say. Because oh, <laughs> we couldn't pull any clips from you for the last few days. No, that's probably quite the wise thing to do, but it's been a delight to have you. Thanks so much, Connor. Thanks very much. Oh, really good, really good. My love to the rest of the Swashbuckle crew. <laughs> Thanks to you very much, Charlie. Thank you. Thanks, Connor. That was great. No, really good, guys. And, and we'll see everybody next time. Cheers. So shout out. The Athletic.